This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David McKellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, what's our card for this week? Our card this week is Ron Karkovice, card number 86, catcher for the Chicago White Sox. All right, two Rons in a row, and we have some follow-up on last week's episode about Ron Oster. Last week, we welcomed Mike Murphy of GrandmaScorebook.com, and we left a lot of gold on the cutting room floor. So thanks again to Mike Murphy for sharing so many great stories, and we will definitely have him back to talk about another Reds player in the future and and some more of those Reds scorecards. But Ron Oster got some good comments on Facebook including one comment from Maxwell. And I don't know if Maxwell is actually a listener to the podcast, but based on this comment, he should be. And this was on the Sabre Baseball Cards Facebook fan group where I posted this episode. Maxwell responded that around the same time of this card, ALF, the television program, put out a collection of Boulia baseball cards, and one of the players depicted was Ron Oyster. Mm. And Matt, as I'm sure you know, Boulia baseball was a sport played on Melmac, which resembled baseball, but instead of throwing a ball, fish parts were thrown. I do remember that. I I have a soft spot in my heart for the program ALF. And if I recall correctly, the Boulia baseball fans would collect the trading cards, which like baseball cards were sold in a package with a stick of gum, and the gum came in one of two flavors, either tabby or Persian. Elf? How was Elf a thing? <laughs> Elf was a number one rated TV show in the United States of America at some point of an alien who lands in the San Fernando Valley of California. And eight cats. Like eight cats. Yeah, that was basically the whole. He was a wise cracking alien. And this was a, a show that. They made baseball cards of Alf. It is, the further we dig into this, I'm sure Brian will have thoughts about Alf and you know maybe we can have him back as a Alf correspondent, uh, correspondent live from Melmac. Brian is a scholar in the field of Alf studies. So maybe he can summarize his dissertation for us. A deep dive into Melmac. Looking at the other cards and the other player names in Boulia Baseball, not a lot of names here that that jump out at me as specific to baseball players. We have Marty Dandy Torpedoes, Sandra the Wank Proudfoot, (laughs) Abner the Big Hucker Narp. Yeah, none of these are ringing a bell, but Ron Oyster, very good wordplay. So thank you for that, and uh, thank you to everyone engaging with our content everywhere on Facebook. You can find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 1988topspodcast. But now to today's card with Ron Karkovice, and why are we talking about Ron today? I recently saw a highlight or low light from the Toronto Blue Jays game where they defeated the Red Sox, I think it was 28-5, to and the Red Sox had many problems in this game, including one fielding issue that led to an inside-the-park grand slam. And that, of course, reminded me of Ron Karkovice, Mm -hmm. or as my dad would call him, Ron Karkovice. 
<laughs> I do believe that is the appropriate pronunciation because if dad says it, it's got to be true. Ron Karkovice played only with the White Sox in his career. And I would say he's a White Sox legend. I think White Sox fans of a certain age remember Ron, hopefully fondly, maybe more with a shaking their head motion of why is Ron Karkovice still on the team. But as we'll get into, Ron Karkovice was a very good defensive catcher. He had a couple decent seasons at the plate as well, but mostly remembered for his defensive prowess. And he was on some pretty mediocre into good White Sox teams. Sounds like a great show. Let's go to the front of card 86. And here we have Ron Karkovice in his catcher's getup. He's taken his mask off, luckily, so you can see his face, but he still has the helmet on backwards, so you can't really see his lovely blonde hair. You can see the very wisp of a mustache, barely perceptible to the naked eye, David. If you can zoom in on the Jumbotron, it is the yeah, same let's... color as his lip. Yeah, it's very, very faint. And I do have it zoomed in to 200% on the Jumbotron, and I can barely make it out. But otherwise, it is a strange-looking card because, as you had pointed out to me before the show, at this point, Carlton Fisk was 40 years old in 1987, and Ron Karkovice was the young up-and-comer behind him. But he does not look 24 years old in this picture. Yeah, this man is maybe as old as Charlie Huff. He looks like a grizzled veteran behind the plate with the mustache. Yeah, and at this point, he wasn't wearing his trademark goggles or sunglasses that he would wear later behind the plate in the 90s. But he looks older than his 24 years. There's something weird going on with the rest of the photo, though, and that is he's got the blue white socks top, but then on the pants, he's got the gray pants with the red and black stripe on the side, but then he has some writing like right in the crotch. Yeah, don't zoom in. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm zooming out to 50%, but I can still the number can still be slightly made out. It looks kind of like a three or a five there. And that is his uniform number. He had a, a bunch of different numbers, but at this point, he's either number 53 or number five. And the White Sox had the number printed on the pants, which I don't think many teams do that. I don't know why you would do that it's a strange look let's flip to the back of 86 and we have ron karkovice catcher six foot one 215 right-handed batter and thrower drafted by the white Sox in the first round 1982 born august 8th 1963 so happy birthday ron karkovice got a birthday coming up born in union new jersey with a home in orlando florida this is the ninth ron in the set and we are just over halfway through our journey of Rons. We have already done Ron Robinson's card, Kittle, Hassey, Oster, and now Karkovice. So we are just over the Ron hump. All of these Rons reminds me of Kenneth the Page and his mom's friend Ron, played by Brian Cranston. <laughs> I went through down a YouTube hole looking for Kenneth the Page and quotes about... <laughs> his mom's friend Ron, but I don't know that any of them are appropriate to post here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I could find. I forgot that Kenneth's mom's friend Ron ended up as his stepfather Ron. So start, sorry for spoiler alerts from a TV show that <laughs> hasn't been on the air for 10 years. Ronald was a very popular baby name 
in the 40s, number nine in 1941 and 43. 2% of baby boys in 1943 were named Ronald. That was down to number 23 by the time Karkovice was born. Still ranks in the 500s. I thought that that name might have dropped in popularity due to a certain hamburger-slinging clown, but that clown had been around for a while. Ronald McDonald's first appearance was in 1963. He was created and first portrayed by Willard Scott, who would go on to be the weatherman on the Today Show. Today's Ron was born in New Jersey, but his family relocated to Orlando, Florida when Ron was seven. The next year, his parents signed him up for Little League, and he said no. He wanted to play football instead. But his parents told him, we already signed you up, you're going, and that was that. In a story we have heard before, Ron picked up catching because no one else wanted to do it. His coach handed him the gear and said, you're going to like catching. And he went for it and turned out to be pretty good. He played high school ball with a future Ron Oster teammate, Joe Oliver. Joe Oliver was also a catcher, but he was two years younger than Karkovice, so they didn't have to compete for playing time. Karkovice and Oliver went to William Boone High School. Other alumni other than Joe Oliver, Johnny and Tommy Townsend, brothers who both became NFL punters, light heavyweight boxer and star of Rocky Balboa, Antonio Tarver, and Erica Dunlap, the first and only African-American Miss Florida who later won the 2004 Miss America pageant and later was a contestant on The Amazing Race. Karkovice in high school was really good. In 1982, as a senior, he was named to the first team Rawlings High School All-America team. This is a really good list for our podcast here. First team members included Ron, the Sean-o-meter, Sean Dunstan, Sam Horn, Dale Spame, Sammy Khalifa, Kenny Williams, and some guy with a famous dad, Barry Bonds. The second team had some pretty high-quality players, Mike Greenwell, Will Clark, Barry Larkin. They made some good picks on that All-America team. And the White Sox liked what they saw. They had a 34-year-old catcher in Carlton Fisk. He certainly isn't going to play forever, so we got to have a replacement lined up. And the White Sox made Ron Karkovice the 14th overall pick in the 1982 draft. Yeah, he was drafted two spots ahead of Sam Horn. The first pick in the draft was Sean Dunstan. Dwight Gooden went fifth. And the second round had... Three really great players, David Wells, who signed with the Blue Jays, Barry Larkin, and Barry Bonds, both who would choose college over the pros. But Ron went to the minors. He started strong at Sarasota. He hit 262 with seven home runs his first season and earned a defensive fun fact on the card, and that is that Ron led Gulf Coast League catchers with 382 chances accepted and five double plays at Sarasota in 1982. Chances accepted. I think we've talked about this. It's such a passive-aggressive stat. He is accepting chances. Is, is that catching a strikeout, I think, counts as a chance? Yeah, it's very strange. We need some help with that one. In 1983, Ron earned a promotion to Appleton. He didn't have great numbers on offense, 239 and 13 home runs, and 10 steals, but there's a second half to the fun fact, and that is, based on his defensive performance, he was the Midwest League All-Star in 1983, playing at Appleton. And then in 1984, he split between AA and AAA at Glens Falls and Denver, hitting between 215 and 220. Lots of strikeouts, 127 strikeouts in 119 games. 
but he did hit 15 home runs combined between Glen Falls and Denver. He was still really good on defense. The Sox media guide started giving him a nickname. They referred to him as Kark. The next season, they called him Carco. I remember him being Carco when he came up with the White Sox. He was sent back to Double A Glens Falls for 1985, hit 216 in 99 games. 1986, the Sox moved their Double A team to Birmingham. And when Ron was a kid, he moved from New Jersey to Florida. So maybe the move from Glens Falls, New York to Alabama brought him some comfort getting back to the South. But something in that Alabama air worked out well for Ron. He hit 282 had a 9-12 OPS, 20 home runs in 97 games. This is by far his best offensive performance in the minors. And he earned a call-up straight to the big leagues in August. I was interested in why they would call up their double-A catcher. Their triple-A guy was a career minor leaguer, so they decided to give the young guy a chance. And Ron got his spot in the majors. There's a Tribune article about Ron as a rookie, and they they interviewed him, and pitchers said that they liked Karkovice, but he didn't talk much. Floyd Bannister said he just stands there and listens. Then he nods, does a U-turn, back to the plate. He was described as excellent at blocking balls in the dirt with a strong, accurate arm and an unusually quick release. But Sox coach Doug Rader said he had to improve his hitting. But defensively, Ron was strong as an ox, and he's fearless. Even being fearless, he had a very rough go, especially at the plate to start. He hit 180 with one home run through his first 23 games. He did close out the season well, hitting 361 with three home runs over his final 14 games. And that led to a final average of 247 for the season. And that run at the end of the season also coincided with an important moment in Ron's career. He caught a no-hitter in only his 23rd career start. And this is a quite unusual no-hitter. On September 19th, Joe Cowley walked seven angels in a no-hit performance. This included a stretch where he walked the bases loaded, gave up a run on a sacrifice fly. The Sox ended up beating the angels seven to one, but it wasn't the dominant pitching performance that we think of as a no-hitter. Wally Joyner said not to put Joe Cowley down, but it wasn't impressive. <laughs> That's a lot of shade to throw on someone who just no-hit you. But there are a lot of guys on base in this game. And maybe to that point, Joe Cowley would not have a long career after this. He wouldn't win another game that year. He had four winless starts in 1987 with a 15-plus ERA. He was the only pitcher in Major League history to not win another Major League game after their no-hitter. But Kark had a good game that day, Had went one for three with a walk, a home run, two runs scored. He also threw out Dick Schofield attempting to steal third. So a good day all around for the White Sox, even if Wally Joyner didn't think it was all that impressive. In the offseason, the Sox got Ron Hassey to fill in as a backup for Carlton Fisk as well. A two-Ron attack. <laughs> yeah, do double-barreled Ron. <laughs> And so Kark starts off at AAA Hawaii in 1987, but Hassey got injured in June and Karkovice gets the call up, even though he was only hitting 183 at AAA. This is another false start in Ron's career. And in 1987, as reported in Sports Illustrated, his teammates were noticing. In a June 15th White Sox Mariners game in the ninth inning, Carlton Fisk hits a fly ball into the Chicago left field bullpen area. While chasing after the ball, 
Seattle left fielder Phil Bradley ran into Karkovice. And so Fisk was ruled out because of interference. And one of his teammates said, Karkovice even makes outs when he doesn't play. <laughs> oh, yes. At the time, Karkovice was hitting 068. <laughs> he had <laughs> a really bad run in the majors that year. He went six for 85, which that almost, I have to like look back at the card to make sure that's right. Yeah, six for 85. With two home runs, seven walks, and 40 strikeouts. That's an 071 average, and <laughs> his OPS plus was minus 20. That's that's bad. That's, <laughs> that's really bad. And that's 120% worse than average? I don't even know how this math works. This is Wait, minus, minus 20? Or minus 20. Mi- oh. oh, yeah, because 100 is, yeah, okay. 100 okay. is status oh, quo but zero oh man but it's worse than zero, zero. it's worse wait what <laughs> it's yeah, very bad even... it's very very bad <laughs> so this is the off the chart <laughs> this is the 14th worst ever season among non-pitchers if i did my stat head search right with more than 75 at bats this is actually worse than pickles worse. dillhofer who had a minus 10 ops plus in 1917 for the cubs i just like the name pickles dillhofer <laughs> Pickles Dillhofer. In December 1917, the Phillies sent Grover Cleveland Alexander, catcher Bill Killifer to the Cubs for pitcher Mike Prendergast and Pickles Dillhofer and $55,000. Prendergast would be out of baseball by 1919. Pickles went off to World War One. Alexander would pitch 13 more seasons and go to the Hall of Fame. Pickles Dillhofer died of typhoid at the age of 28, just six weeks after his wedding. So R.I.P. Dillhofer. And yeah, a sad year for Ron with that minus 20 OPS plus. So in 1988, he ends up starting at AAA again, Vancouver this year. The White Sox were moving minor league affiliates all over the place. So Ron didn't get to hang out in Hawaii anymore for AAA, just Vancouver. And he started at Vancouver, was called up in May, stayed with the White Sox until August. He caught 14 of 29 would-be base thieves, but he hit only 174. So for his first three seasons, 122 games, almost a full season for a catcher, a 168 average, that's a 44 OPS plus. But over that time, he was valued at 1.7 defensive war. So he had a positive overall war for those seasons, even though he was just awful on offense. And it's easy to forget because of his grizzled veteran look that he was only 24 years old. These are some of the worst offensive stats we've discussed of almost any player so far. This is really bad. And yet it's really bad. He played that's three seasons where he continued to get called up, even though he was really, really pretty awful at the plate. In 1989, he solidified his spot somehow as the Sox backup to a 42 year old Carlton Fisk. The Sox were bad 69 and 92. Ron played 71 of those games, though, and had his best hitting season yet, 264 with a 97 OPS plus, so average hitting, which is a huge step up from before, and his traditional solid defense. He led the American League with a caught stealing percentage of 48%, which is, that's very impressive. 1990, he's still the backup, but the White Sox are starting to improve after some additions. They won 94 games that year, finishing second to the A's. And Karkovice played in 68 games that season. Again, led the American League with caught stealing of 50%. And that aversion to theft. And 
His look earned him a nickname from Sox announcer Hawk Harrelson, and that is Officer Karkavice. I included a picture here of Karkavice wearing some cool wraparound shades, but with the mustache, some sunglasses, he definitely looked like a cop. A little bit of a larger gentleman with a mustache and some sunglasses. I could see him as a, you know, can you tell me how fast you were going, sir? Yeah, the blue steel shades that he's got going on, like, definitely give him that law enforcement look. Along with a new nickname from Hawk Harrelson, 1990 had one of Ron's, and maybe the White Sox all-time highlights, and also a Twins defensive lowlight. On August 30th, 1990, the White Sox were playing against the Twins at the Metrodome. It's the top of the fourth. Phil Bradley, who had at one time run into Ron Karkovice in the outfield in that low light a couple years prior, is now on the White Sox. Bradley singles, Yvonne Calderon doubles, Frank Thomas walks to load the bases. The next batter strikes out, bringing up the heavy hitter, Ron Karkovice. Video of this at bat is a reminder that Karkovice had a really weird stance. He stuck his butt out really far, leaned over, held his bat high, just a strange stance, but he rips a line drive just out of reach of twin shortstop Greg Gagne. It rolls all the way to the hefty bag wall, clears the bases. Goes all the way to the wall. Three runs will definitely score. Now look at Moses falling down. He flips the ball to Gladden, who's not looking. And that's the reason for the grand slam. I thought they might give an error because of that, but no. It's a homer for Carco, fifth of the year, and he's got 17 RBIs, and he's got reason to be happy. Hustling around the bases, gets a stand-up inside the park grand slam. I don't know how there was not an error on this play. There are at least two errors here. One for falling down, being unable to pick up a ball. The second, throwing the ball off of a guy's back. That's some friendly scorekeeping from the Twins. Yeah, for sure. There should have been errors counted on that, but that's not nearly as fun. I don't know that Karkovice was going to get a triple on this if the guy hadn't fallen down. So double two-base error? I don't I don't know about that. The Sox end up winning the game 4-3 to three, thanks to Ron Karkovice's blazing speed. So Ron's line on that season, 246 with six homers, 20 RBIs, and four of those RBIs on that one play. So 246, not bad. It's He's a little bit better than we had alluded to before. 1991, somehow Carlton Fisk is still the starting catcher this year. He played 106 games as catcher. And again, the Sox finished second with 87 wins. Ron had another decent season for him. Again, 246, five homers, 22 RBIs. On August 11th, 1991, Ron caught his second no-hitter. Wilson Alvarez was making his first White Sox start, just his second career start, and threw a no-hitter against the Orioles. Ron is one of five Sox catchers with two no-hitters caught. 1992, the White Sox are over 500, but not really in contention. Fisk is only playing 50 or so games at catcher, and Karkovice finally gets his chance to start. He's about average again, but hits a little bit more power. He's hitting 237, 13 homers, has 10 steals. So a solid Ron Karkovice year. And 1993 is probably between 1983 and the 2000s, the, the highlight of my White Sox fandom. 
Really good year for the White Sox, as we discussed on the Jack McDowell episode. Sox win 94 games. Karkovice had his best career season in a few statistical categories. He only hit 228, but had a career-high 20 home runs, 54 RBIs, 60 runs scored, also a career-high 3.2 wins above replacement. And I did a stat head search for 20 home run, 10-plus sacrifice bunt seasons. Only eight such seasons have occurred since Ron did it in 1993. And Ron is one of only three catchers to accomplish a 20-homer, 10-bunt season. First (laughs) since the 1930s. So he was just a kind of scrappy player who was pretty good at laying down a bunt. I don't know how many of those he bunted for hits, but again, with that blazing speed. As good a bunter as he was, he was... Even better, calling games, he was managing a good young pitching staff with Alex Fernandez, Wilson Alvarez, and Jason Bure, who were all under age 23, and again, led the American League with caught stealing percentage. This year, 54% caught stealing and was valued at 2.1 defensive war, which was best in the American League among catchers. Unfortunately, 1993 would be Ron's only postseason action, And he went 0 for the entire series against Toronto, 0 for 15 with seven strikeouts. Just, ugh. That, there was a certain inevitability going up against the defending champion Toronto Blue Jays in 1993, that even though the White Sox took a couple of those games, it just never felt like they were going to win that series. And to have your catcher go 0 for 15, it's just brutal. So the Sox don't make it far in the playoffs that year. 1994, 95, or 96, Kark's average was down, even by his standards. He was hitting in the two, two teens and two twenties, hitting 11, 13, and 10 home runs uh, each of those seasons. His OPS back down to 94, then 83, then 63, and he's getting on base less. And the league was more offensive-minded, so Karkovice's low stats are starting to stick out a little bit more. He's still a really good defensive catcher, even as he got into his 30s. But by the late 90s, his offense was so bad that the defense just couldn't make up for it. It was clear that the White Sox weren't going to re-sign him in the last year of that contract. He's hitting 181 in 1997, and the White Sox end up granting him free agency. That year, they also retired Carlton Fisk's number. And in 1993, when Carlton Fisk retired, his teammates gave him a motorcycle. And there's this great video of Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson comes riding out on a brand new Harley that he delivers to teammate Carlton Fisk. So Karkovice's teammates thought that he deserved a send-off as well. Yeah, we have some video here. And in it, Robin Ventura is... Really just clowning on Rod pretty ruthlessly. His number's being retired. They've got it up there on the facade of the pub section. Yeah, actually, my daughter made that. So she did a good job. She gave him the backward K. Gave him the backward K. Is that for looking? Uh, Just watching now. I don't know exactly. We just wanted to make sure it wasn't real nice. Yeah, it's a good look, though. It's right next to Billy Pierce's number, too. Yeah, well, the number's been crossed out. And they got him a bike, not a Harley but just a bike with a bell on it and a little basket. And Who's, Who was riding the bike out? I didn't see that. I, I'm not sure. But Ventura seemed to be the, the ringleader of this gang of scoundrels picking on our hero, Ron Karkovice. They gave him a gold-plated catcher's mask to wear around his neck. Karkovice seemed to take it all in good fun. So 
He leaves the Sox in good graces, signs a free agent deal with Cleveland in 1998, but didn't make the club out of spring training. So he retires in 1998 in his final line, 12 seasons, all for the Southsiders, 939 games, a career 221 hitter with an OPS plus of 81, 574 hits, 96 home runs, 335 RBIs, and he threw out 41% of all the base runners who attempted to steal on him. How about in retirement? He once owned a restaurant in Orlando called Ronnie's Big League Deli. which Oh, man. It's not still there, is I it? I don't think it is, but they had something called the oh. Big Comiskey, which had ham, salami, capicola, marinara sauce, provolone, and Italian seasoning. I want one right now. Sounds like a delicious sandwich. I think it was open in the mid-2000s, but I, I, don't th- I couldn't find anything on it. He had a few assorted coaching gigs. He coached for the Newark Bears from 2009 to 2011 under manager and former teammate Tim Raines. He was bench coach for the Camden River Sharks in 2012 before moving up to manage the team from 2013 to 2014. And according to LinkedIn, since 2014, he's been retired. So here's a guy that you said was a special player in a, in a way to White Sox fans, was a legend and one that your dad even had a special name for of Karkaviche. So now looking into him a little bit more, what do we think? In 2004, Joe Oliver and Ron Karkavice were both inducted into Boone High School's Hall of Fame. And Karkavice had a really solid career. He had some interesting statistical quirks of his 96 home runs. Five of them were grand slams. It's a pretty good percentage. That's the same number that Carlton Fisk had, same as Roger Maris, Ryan Sandberg, Duke Snyder. Among players with 95 home runs, however, his 81 career OPS plus is the 13th lowest. So he had a little bit of power, stayed around the league long enough to hit a good number of career home runs, but had kind of an odd career and was a defensive specialist. He amassed some pretty remarkable wins above replacement numbers for a guy who, honestly, like if you looked at him on paper, was a career 220 hitter. Of that 1982 draft class, Ron was picked in the first round. Other draftees included Sean Dunstan, Dwayne Ward, Spike Owen, Todd Worrell. Not huge names, but good players. Dunstan, Worrell, Ward were all all all-stars. And yet, in that first round, after Dwight Gooden's 50-plus war, the second-highest war was Ron Karkovice. Throughout his career with Karkovice, you just kind of knew what you were getting. When I talked about that 1993 playoff series, as I look back, the White Sox couldn't have won with Ron Karkovice as their starting catcher. you got to have a better piece than that. You're not going to win a World Series with Ron Karkovice. But if you look across at the other team, they had Pat Borders. Pat Borders wasn't nearly as good a defensive catcher or even an offensive catcher as Ron Karkovice, and he won a World Series MVP. So I, I think we could have changed our perception of Ron if that ALCS had gone slightly different. If you compare him to other catchers at the time, he wasn't that bad at the plate once he established himself. Somehow with a 287 on base percentage in 1993, he was a three-war player. From 1989 to 96, with guys who played 500-plus games at catcher, Karkovice was 14th in offensive war. When you add in his defense, he was the 10th most valuable catcher for that time frame. Of the 27 guys on that list, only 10 had an OPS plus over 100. So when we talk about his bad OPS plus, unless you're Mike Piazza or Mickey Tettleton, most of the catchers at that time weren't really good hitters. Karkovice is a solid player who's remembered pretty fondly by White Sox fans, And on a 
June 2020 list, he was in the list of best first round draft picks that the White Sox have ever made. But he also had the misfortune of coming right after Carlton Fisk, club legend, Hall of Famer. But when you compare their value from 86 to 93, his value was 11 war. Fisk was 13, 1.4 per season versus 1.7 per season. And Karkovice played 27 fewer games per year than Fisk did. And that even includes those three terrible seasons at the beginning of his career. Karkovice was not a flashy player. He wasn't a great player, but he was a great defensive player. His teammates loved him and appreciated him. And if you look at that video, it's kind of sad to compare it to the adulation and the number retirement that Fisk got. It, it really seems kind of mean. Fisk was famously a curmudgeon, and he would never have put up with that kind of treatment. Karkovice laughed about it, and he knew his role. He spent a lot of his career playing second fiddle to a Hall of Famer. He knew what his spot was on this team. Play good defense, show up every day, manage a pitching staff. So I appreciate Ron Karkovice maybe a little bit more after having looked into him. Well, it does seem like he was a good sport and throwing out base stealers always wins someone points in my book. So great to learn more about him. So thank you for the story today, David. And thank you to you at home. If you suspect that your local catcher might secretly be a cop, we'd love to hear all about it on Twitter. We're at Tops1988. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.